Well, we're going to be starting a brand new series this morning. If everything goes to, as planned, we're going to take this series actually five weeks, and July is five weeks, so this is our July series. Uh, and I'm excited about it because I'm really looking at this series as doing something in my life and your life that is probably not normal and something that I truly believe cannot really happen in the way that God wants it to happen without God's help. So it's a great series because in some ways, you know, there's no way we can do this without him. But with him, we can handle this and we can do this because it's just one of those things. And, and here's the deal. Well, I'll, I'll wait because I don't want to jump ahead. But the title of the series for the month of July is called Wait For It. Wait For It. I remember when I was a kid, um, and, and some of you remember this. Some of you are much too young to remember the olden days. Um, but I remember when we go to a restaurant uh, as kids, and you'd go in and on the table, you know, you have your pepper and your salt and things like that. And they always usually had, at least the restaurants we went to as kids, they had ketchup. Now you go, that's no big deal, Aaron. We have ketchup today. Yes, I know that. But this was different because this was in one of those glass bottles. You remember those glass bottles? That's how you know you're kind of getting older in life when you like remember, like I remember back in the olden days when they had glass bottles of ketchup. And there was a problem with the glass bottle of ketchup. And that was it took a long time to learn to get the ketchup out of the bottle. I remember there was different, there was different, you know, way before things were on the internet, because there was no internet back then, you know, there was like tricks that you learned through word of mouth. Some worked very, very well, some didn't. I remember if it was a brand new ketchup bottle, something my dad would always do, is he would take a knife, some of you know what I'm talking about, and he would stick the knife in there to kind of prime the pump, you know, to kind of get the ketchup to flow. Uh, some of you remember that there was a little 57 on the bottle, and, and I don't know if this was the first urban myth, but it's one of them. Like, if you turned it at just the right angle and you hit the 57, the, bottle, the, the, the ketchup would come out. And I remember this was such a thing that, that Heinz actually made commercials about it. And they actually had people where they would do certain things. And I remember there was a guy, and this was back in the 80s when everybody was so, so cool. And, and, and they were. And, and basically this guy is, is going to try to impress some girl or something like that. So he, he goes up on top of a building and he places there his bottle of Heinz 57, or not Heinz, uh, Heinz ketchup. And he opens it and he just sits it there. And then he runs down the stairs and he orders a hot dog at a hot dog vendor. And just at the right moment, after he gets the hot dog, he does this. He has the hot dog. This is so 80s. He has the hot dog and he goes, oh. And just as he does that, the ketchup flows on his hot dog. I remember as a child, like, the ketchup is not going to stop flowing. It's going to continue. So, it's, you know, it was, it, was, it was a farce to begin with. But then the tagline came, good things come to those who wait. Remember that? Yeah. I didn't like that commercial. <laughs> you know why? Because I was like, uh-uh. No, no. Good things come to those who get it now. I want it now. And the problem is, is sometimes God asks us to wait. It's not fun. It's not easy. Nobody, well, let me phrase that. Hardly anybody likes to wait. We sometimes will rate things on how speedy the service is or how quickly it'll come. Sometimes you turn on the TV or you'll go to the grocery store and it'll say something like this, your food will be ready in 30 seconds in the microwave or whatever it might be. We are not people who like to wait. We want it now. The problem is, is sometimes it's very important that we learn 
to wait. Lamentations 3, 25 to 26 says this. Listen, this is important. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Here's why I didn't like that commercial. Because to me, waiting for ketchup was not worth the wait. But here's what I know. When God has asked us to wait for him, when God asks us to wait for a promise that he has for us, it is always worth the wait. So here's what's crazy. Here's what I started out and I said, listen, what we're going to be looking at for the next month is something that you can't do on your own. Something that without God's help is not going to happen. And here's the deal. I want for me and you, me too, that throughout this series, at the end of it, we can learn not just to not, not to dislike waiting, but to really look at it for what it really is. This is in your notes. In your notes, we don't have to hate waiting. In fact, waiting is a gift from God in your life. What our hope is, what my prayer is, what my desire, again, for you and me throughout this series, is we don't, we, we literally move from hating to wait to looking at it as God's blessing, God's gift in our lives. I mean, that is 180 stuff here. That is going from, I hate this, I despise this, I don't like this, to literally welcoming it in our lives because we go, God, you have something worth waiting for. Something that we need, something that you want to do. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And we're going to, we're going to do some things in this series that are very, very practical, very, very simple in a lot of ways. Hard to do, easy to say kind of things. But I truly believe that if we'll open our hearts to this, God is going to recalibrate our understanding of waiting, especially, obviously, waiting on him. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we do thank you for this morning and this time. God, as we move into this series, that, that as we talk about waiting on you, and, and a lot of times, I mean, yeah, this is not necessarily, oh boy, oh boy, because we don't like it. But in some ways, God, I believe in a weird way, you're going, you know what, I want to transform your mind here. I want to transform your thoughts from hating this into looking at it for what it truly is, which is a gift from you. God, I know that can only happen with your help. So we're asking as we even just begin this series that your Holy Spirit would even now begin to transform us into people that wait on you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to look at a little story that, that is, is very interesting. But, but I, I would say this, um, this week, um, you know, on, on Tuesday is Easton's birthday. Um, and I, I'm very kind of memory guy, you know, I'm very reminiscent guy. So I, I always, around his birthday, he's going to turn 10 <sighs> this, this week which is hard, you know, because it's like, oh my gosh, he's, he's out of the single digits kind of guy, you know. So he's to be turning 10. And so I begin to go back and begin to think about all the things that took place to, to lead up to his birth and going back to thinking about, you know, when, when M let me know, she's like, I, I, I'm pregnant. I mean, just, just all those moments and things like that. And, and here's the thing that, you know, you think about children. Um, there has never been a child that has been born that, that, had to, that didn't have to be waited on. 
Okay, you kind of have these moments, and children are, are so so exciting. But but you know, it, it, you find things out, and then it's a waiting game. Sometimes it's it's a little shorter, but obviously you're looking at about nine months of waiting and waiting. And in a lot of ways, God's promises are like that. It's there, sometimes there's a waiting game. We see that over and over and over again in Scripture, where God will will speak forth a promise. He'll speak even sometimes, as we're going to be talking about this morning, a child. And then there's a time of waiting. But we have to learn through that and understand that there is a purpose and a plan in it. So let's open our Bibles. We're going to be in Genesis 15. We're going to be starting looking at kind of this story where Abraham is, is kind of be, being told by God that, he, that God has a promise for him. But it's going to take some time as we're going to see. So if you have your Bibles or your phone or whatever you use, let's open them up. Genesis 15, we're going to start with verse number 1 and go to verse number 6. It says, some time later. Okay, any time that you see that, and we're going to see that several times this morning, know what that means is simply this. It, there was a wait. There was some time that had to pass before we get to this moment. So some time later, the Lord spoke to Abram. He's not even Abraham yet. In a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Now look at verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, no. No, okay? Sometimes we don't like it when God says no. This is a good no. No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. So here comes this promise that God begins to speak out to Abram, to Abraham and share. It says then in verse 5, Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now look at verse 6. It's very important. Verse number 6. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So let's kind of take a step back and kind of look at this story really quickly because we're going to continue on. So, so Abram is, 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 God is blessing him. He's left his family and, and he's gone in this moment. Abram at this time is 75 years old. And he's kind of thinking at this point, like, hey, you know, I'm, my life is, we're, we're getting closer to the end than we are at the beginning. And when I die, God, all the blessings that you have given me, it's going to go to my servant. It's not, I don't have a son. I don't have an heir, basically. And God speaks to him a promise and basically says, no, listen, you will have a son who will be your heir. You will have a son. And then he takes him outside. Just because just God sometimes likes to show us a little bit more. And, and takes him outside and he says, listen, count the stars if you can. He said, that's how many descendants you are going to have. And I love that in verse 6 it says that Abram believed the Lord. He believed it. Now let's remember here, we're going to see in a minute, Abram is 75 years old in this moment. So already we're kind of in a moment where things are not necessarily working probably the way that they used to. But God still promises him. Well, here's the deal. We're not going to spend a lot of time in this, but about 11 years later, guess what? No kiddo. No nothing. 
And so basically, Abram and his wife Sarah concoct this scheme to make the promise come when they want the promise to come. Basically, they say, you know what, God, 11 years, we have waited enough. We've waited enough. And so basically, Scripture tells us that that Sarah gives Abraham uh, her, her servant. They have a child together, and that child's name is Ishmael. And basically, if you know history at all or you know your Bible at all, basically, um, ish, that, that, that becomes a problem then, and it is still a problem today. We're not going to get into it. If you're questioned about it, let me know. We'll talk about it later. But just so you know, listen, when we don't wait on God, when we try to hatch out promises prematurely, problems come. And so they think they had to handle it on their own. And basically, throughout that time, God says, no, this is not the Son that I've promised you. And so the story continues in Genesis 21. Because remember, God has still promised. And here's the deal. Listen, I want to encourage you. Because you know what? Waiting on the Lord is hard. It's not easy and it's difficult. And and Abram and Sarah, let's just be honest, they really messed this up. They messed it up for them. Then they messed it up for us today. It is a messed up situation. But God in his infinite love and infinite mercy and his promises that are going to come, he says, you know, even though you messed up, my promises are still true. So, you know, if you've had moments in your life where, you know what, you tried to birth some premature things and things kind of didn't go well, God's promises are still true and you can rely on them. And so God continues to show us that he's faithful so now let's look genesis 21 we'll start it with verse number one and verse number five listen to what it says it says the lord kept his word and did for sarah exactly what he had promised she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for abraham in his old age listen this happened at just the time god said it would just the time Listen, for some of you, you need to take, you know, basically Genesis 21, write this thing, this part out, these scriptures, and stick it on your wall, stick it on your mirror, stick it in your car, and read these over and over and over again to get them in your heart. Because, listen, God is not a respecter of persons. He did it for Sarah. He did it for Abraham. He'll do it for you. But here's what you need to understand. He will keep his word. He'll do exactly what he promised, and he'll do it at just the time God. God says those are the keys but he'll do it he said and Abram named their son Isaac eight days after Isaac was born Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded and look here verse five Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born remember we started back in Genesis 15 and he was 75 it took 25 years and here's the deal, like, like, like let's, let's say Abraham gets this promise, you know, when he's like 10, okay? And then 25 years, okay, you know, now you're like, okay, well, this could still happen, things are still okay, you know, but he's 100 years old now. Sarah is 90 at this point. I mean, this is crazy stuff, but yet God still comes through. And here's what we've learned is, and we're just not going to spend a lot of time. You just have to go back and look at Genesis 15, Genesis 16, Genesis 17. But all that time, even in the mess up, God is beginning to work in Abraham's life. God is beginning to, to transform him. It's in your notes. God built Abraham slowly, piece by piece, year by year, 
into a man of faith. God didn't waste the waiting season. And God doesn't want to waste your waiting season. He doesn't want you to just be waiting. God's not sitting up there just twiddling his thumbs going, well, you know, eventually I'll do whatever, but I just I have nothing else to do. No, it doesn't work like that. God in that time began to form Abraham. He began to use Abraham. He began to mature Abraham because God had great things for Abraham to understand. Remember, God basically looks at Abraham, and we'll see it a little bit later, and he becomes the father of the children of Israel. He becomes the father of the, the children of Israel that, that basically eventually brings forth a king named David, which eventually brings forth our Jesus. This was a major deal. When we're kids, what do we sing? Father Abraham. He's the father in a lot of ways. And here's what I've learned in this waiting period, in this waiting time. What God was trying to do was give Abraham not just a father of being, a father of nations, but the heart of the father. Because we're going to see some things that take place later on in his life that took place, that were matured, that were helped along during this waiting time. Listen, the waiting season isn't about God trying to frustrate you. It is about God wanting to mature you. He's wanting to mature you. Okay? We're going to talk a lot this morning just because it fits very well with the idea of children. And, 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 I, and I have a... Uh, um, my sister-in-law used to work as a, as a respiratory therapist in the NICU unit. Okay? And so these little babies that, that came a little early, you know, th there's a reason why it takes, in a lot of ways, nine months. Because in the mother's womb, that baby is growing. It's maturing. There's a waiting season. And here's what I learned. Listen, it's, it's not worth having something come early just to get it. We want to make sure that it comes when it's matured and ready. And so begin, God has begun to do this in Abraham's life and work in him. And then something pretty incredible takes place that is kind of confusing a little bit, but also really helps us to understand the greater understanding of God's picture and plan, not just in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's life, but literally for us today. So let's keep going. Genesis 22, okay? Let's continue on now. Genesis 22, look at verse number 1. And two, here's what it says. It says, once again, <laughs> some time later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Look at verse two. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering of one on one of the mountains which I will show you. Wait a minute. God, you promise I mean I mean you promised me this son. And now you're basically saying I want him back. I, I want him back. I mean I mean this is this is an amazing moment. And and here's the thing like as you look at what God says I mean, every word God says here is almost just like a dagger a little deeper in the heart. He says, hey, Abraham, you know the son you have? Yeah, 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 that, that son that you, that you uh, your only son. Yeah, the only one you got. 
The one that I promised is going to be the one that's going to, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, that one. The one that you love. You know what's interesting? little side note here. This is the first time in the, in the scriptures, in Genesis, so obviously in the Bible, that the word in this way that love is used. And it's about a father-son relationship. It's about a promise. And basically God says, you know that son that you love? Sacrifice him. Now at this time, the pagan culture all around Abraham, the one that he left, child sacrifice was fairly normal. It was fairly uh, common at the time. And so in this moment, basically God says, I want it back. I want it back. And here's what's amazing. And we're going to skip ahead a little bit in the story just to save time. But scripture basically says that basically the next morning, Abraham heads out. Abraham heads out. And here's the thing. Listen, some of us can get a little confused here about this wording in verse number one where it says that God tests Abraham's faith. Listen, this is in your notes. I really wanted you to understand this. This was not so much a test to produce faith, okay, as much as it was a test to reveal faith. Now, that's important that we understand that, okay? God doesn't ask Abraham to do this earlier, he asked him at a particular time. We don't know for sure, but just so you know, we we'll maybe talk about it a little bit later on. Most theologians, most scholars, both Jewish and Christian, believe that Isaac at this point, that sometime later between basically Genesis 21 and Genesis 22, is about 25 to possibly 30 years old. Isaac is not a small child, is basically what we believe based on some of the wording and some of the things. So he, is, he is a 25 to 30-year-old man. And God says, that's who I want. And so even in that time, so even in this moment, God begins to say, you know, it's not so much about producing faith, it's about the faith that has already been produced that is going to be revealed. I believe the faith and the trust that was revealed and brought forth into growth in his life during the waiting period. And because he waited, even he failed, because of that weight, because of that maturity, because of that transformation that God was doing in Abraham during that time, Scripture says that the next morning he sets out. He sets out. Let's continue on with the story. Genesis 22. Look at verse 4, and we're going to load to verse number 8, and then we'll skip through a little bit more. Listen to what it says. It says, On the third day of the journey... Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Remember, God said, I'm going to show you a specific place, a certain mountain. <clears throat> Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back to you. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire, we have the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. So here it is. Three days of a journey to get to a specific place. And we're going to see here in a moment that it not only was a specific, basically, mountain, it was a specific place on the mountain. And they've gotten there, they've traveled, and basically they're now separated off. It's just Abraham and Isaac. 
And they are walking together and Abraham and Isaac are talking and having a discussion. And basically Isaac says, hey, like, what's, what's going on? Where's, where's, where's the sacrifice? He doesn't know yet that it's him. And here's what's interesting. It's, it's very interesting here, the wording that we see in the original Hebrew. When you look in your, your scriptures, listen here, if you, if you underline this because I think it's important or, or mark it, you see there where it says, and they both walked on together. It's the end of verse 8. However your translation puts that, highlight that or underline that. What that is literally meaning when you look at the original Hebrew is this idea and concept that they are literally walking in unity, in one mind, and in one accord. Basically what we believe is at this point, Isaac gets it. He realizes who he is, and yet he doesn't run away. He doesn't take off. Remember, his dad at this point is 125 so years old. He's a young man. He could totally have overpowered, and he totally could have ran away. But yet they go on together. Isaac willingly moves forward with his father in unity and understanding. It's very important that we catch that. Let's continue on. Genesis 22, 11 through 14. It says, at that moment, the angel of the Lord... Oh, let me, let me stop. So basically, they get there. They get him on the altar. Abraham's got the knife up. He's ready. He's ready to do it. It says, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me... Uh, even your son, and once again we see it, your only son. Verse 13, it says, Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, which, mean, uh, Jehovah which means the Lord will provide. To this day, listen, this is cool. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So what's the story? Knife up, ready to take him, take him out. God stops him. But he also says there still has to be a sacrifice and provides one for them. Let's continue on. Let's jump now to verse number 16, Genesis 22, 16. Because now what we're going to begin to see here is some of the, the benefits of his faith, the benefits of what um, basically as he has passed this test, basically as his faith has been revealed. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, once again, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Remember earlier when we read about the, the promise? What did God promise before? He says, he takes him outside and he says, look up. Remember? And he says, look up and see the stars in the sky. Your descendants will be like that. Now God doubles it up. Now God says, listen, not only are the stars, but now he goes, the sea on the seashore. He says, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. What an unbelievable story. What an unbelievable story of faith and, and, and all these things. And here's what I truly believe. 
I believe that although this story did not produce faith in Abraham, that faith was produced in the waiting. I believe that as he sat there for that 25 years allowing God, again, even, even though there was a mess up, to say, you know what, God, I believe in your promise. God, I hold on to this promise. God, I will wait for your timing. I will wait for you. And that faith began to build and it began to grow. He began to mature in all these ways so that when we finally get to Genesis 22, he is ready to pass the test. And because he passed the test, not only do we see this blessing that God pours out on Abraham, but we literally see that all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of him. Listen, we are getting ready to celebrate the 4th of July this week. We have a nation that is blessed. You know where that blessing originally came from? It came from a man who thousands of years ago was willing to say, you know what? I'll wait. I'll grow. I'll experience you. And he was willing to lay down his son, his only son, for God. And because of that, we are experiencing blessings even today. Like when we wait for God, some crazy, amazing things can come forth in our lives that don't just affect us, but affect others. And here's the other thing. Not only do we see all these blessings, but we see for the first, well, not the first time, but early time in Scripture, this picture of what God is going to do to save us and to bring us home. We begin to see that, that Isaac's life as a picture of Jesus becomes even clearer at this moment. Look with me. This is so amazing that God begins to do this. That God begins to show us through the life of Isaac and Abraham his relationship with his son Jesus. Look at, look at, look at the similarities here. First, both births were prophesied about. Both births were. God said, listen, there is going to be a day when a baby will be born. But you got to wait for it. So both were prophesied about. Both were impossible births for their moms. Both were impossible births. Sarah's 90 years old. Mary's a virgin. These are impossible things. But yet, they're still come forth. Because God says through Gabriel, the angels, he says basically to Mary, nothing is impossible for God. Next, both were loved by their fathers, deeply, passionately loved by their dads. Next, both offered themselves willingly. Both could have said no. Both could have said, I'm going to run. Both could have said, I'm not going to follow what the father has laid out for me. But yet they both gave themselves up, were willing to be the sacrifice. Next, both carried wood up the hill of their sacrifice. Did you notice that? Who carried the wood? It was Isaac. Dad carried the fire and the knife. But Isaac carried the wood. This morning we sang the old rugged cross. Though Jesus carried himself as well. He carried the wood. Look at this. Both were sacrificed on the same hill. Did you know that? The place that God leads Abraham to is the same hill that Jesus was crucified on. Remember, he says, I'm going to tell you where to go. And then he says, I want to take you to a specific place. God knew and God began to show even then. The last thing, both were delivered from death on the third day. Remember, we looked at that. It says on the third day they arrived. Both were delivered from death on the third day. Listen, because Abraham 
grew in the waiting time because he didn't sit there on the corner and sit on his hands and knees and go, God, you're just not doing it when I want you to do it. God, why won't you do it in my time and in my way? Amazing things came forth, both in his life and in our lives, even today. So, so much of this, so it's so important that as we learn to love the waiting time, is that not only do we just sit there, but we allow God to do what he wants to do in us, which is to mature us, to help us grow, so that when faith and testing do come, because they will come, what's revealed in us has already been produced in us. I've talked about this before. A test is not there to teach you. A test is simply to reveal what you already know. And a lot of times that growth comes in the seasons of our lives that we wait in. So to kind of close this morning, I want to give you three things to help you mature during the waiting season. And again, we've kind of been talking about kids and births and all that sort of stuff. And here's what I kind of was putting this together. I kind of realized it's very similar to the three. Um, these three things are very similar to the three trimesters that ladies go through when they're having a child. And so it kind of parallels, so I want you to kind of think about that as well. So there are three things, and each of these kind of go along together. So, so three things I think that God wants us to do that help us grow in Him during these seasons where we're waiting. Number one, we need to wait for it with declaration. Wait for it with declaration. What do I mean by that? Okay, think about the first trimester of a birth, okay? The first three months, okay? Lots of things happen. But here's what I've learned from my own experience as far as Emily's first trimester. In the first trimester, at some point in time, people are told. Now, obviously, I learned a lot sooner before everybody else did. But we began to, when the time was right, began to proclaim that to people in our lives. We had special ways because it was kind of, we you know, got pregnant around October-ish. Uh, and so we found out. So, so by Christmas time, it was perfect. And so we, we got to, ex you know, of course, you know. So we got to tell Emily's mom and dad. And we did that in a certain way and show my mom and dad. And then, of course, I was a youth pastor at the time. So we had to tell the whole church. and Everybody went crazy and all that. I mean, but it was just this moment of declaration. It was this moment where we began to speak it out and share it with people and say, listen, a baby is coming, a promise is coming something has happened something that God has done in our lives is coming forth and it was a moment at a time of declaration and listen this is a very important step in your waiting and in your maturity especially when God has given you a promise or something that you are specifically waiting on look at second Corinthians first uh, chapter 1 verse number 20 listen to what it says it says for no matter how many promises God has made Listen, they are yes in Christ. Now let's stop there because we kind of miss this in some of the wording. The promises of God, no matter how crazy they are, no matter how many they are, basically what Paul is telling the Corinthian church is they are yes because of Christ. In Christ they are yes. But listen to what it says. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The promise comes from God. The gift comes from Him. It's always about Him. But listen, the amen and the amen means I agree, let it be so. That type of wording, that comes from you and me. That's us 
proclaiming out, I believe in the promise. I believe that God is faithful. I believe that if this has been spoken by him, that God's promises are yes in Christ, and we speak out the let it be, and I believe it. Listen, we need to come into alignment and agreement with the word of God and his promises. A lot of you, God has given you a promise and you've held it in. And you don't want to tell anybody. And listen, I'm only going to speak for myself here. Maybe this is your case, maybe it isn't. But I know that when God has spoken things to me, the reason I don't proclaim it is because in my heart of hearts, I don't really believe it. I don't. You see, when I proclaim it, now I got some skin in the game. Now I'm basically saying, hey, everybody's going to know whether Aaron heard God or not. And it can be a little scary. I want to be very tender in this moment. But let's again go back to child. A lot of times when parents have a hard time or they, maybe one of their children is already in heaven, they don't want to tell people. They're scared. And I totally get that. I totally get that. But at the same time, there is a faith and a trust that when you begin to tell people, happens. And I'm not saying you need to tell people, you know, you know there may be people on, online or here or whatever, oh, we're already pregnant, we haven't told you. No, no, I'm not saying that's bad, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's a, there's a step of growth that takes place when we are willing to proclaim and make a declaration of God's promise in our heart and our lives. Powerful things take place. So that first trimester, man, there's a declaration. Man, we're, 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 we're having a baby. God has given me a promise, and that promise is going to come. We're going to have to wait for it, but it's coming. Number two, number two, you need to prepare for it, okay? You need to prepare for it. So, so in the second trimester... We have the nesting period, you know? So we go and we gotta, we gotta make the room look nice and we gotta, we gotta pick out the name maybe or, or all these sort of things. And so we start decorating and, and things like that. Sometimes depending, I kind of looked and saw, you know, two different dates that kind of fell late first trimester, early second. But, you know, if you wanna know, usually about that time, you find out, you know, if you're having a boy or a girl and you prepare in that way. But listen, we need to prepare once we have this promise, once God says, listen, I want you to experience this, we need to get ready and let that maturing take place so we're prepared when the promise comes. We saw that in the life of Abraham and Isaac. But listen, preparation is important. Look, it's so important. Look at John 14, 3. I love this. And Jesus is speaking here. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus is preparing for you and me. Jesus is getting things ready. We haven't arrived yet, but yet Jesus is preparing things for us. We have a promise, don't we? When we accepted Jesus, we have a promise that when we die, we're going to go be with Jesus for all eternity. And guess what? Jesus is getting ready. The promise has already come. So he's preparing for you and me. And so in that, we need to be doing the same. We need to be getting ready for that promise. We need to be getting ready for the things that God wants to do in us and through us, just like Jesus is getting things ready. So you need to prepare for it. 
in that waiting time, God wants to mature you and get you ready. And the last thing, you wait for it with anticipation. You wait for it with anticipation. So you start with this idea of declaration. Next you move into a time of preparation. And then you wait for it with anticipation, with excitement. It's almost here. Now listen, I am never, ever, ever going to try to pretend that I understand what it's like to carry a child. I can only know what has been shared with me by a person I love very, very much. And you know what I have learned? The closer it comes to the birthing time, there are more expectations and excitement and just get this kid out of me comes. But there's anticipation. You begin to think about what day. You begin to think about how it's all going to happen. You begin to make plans that are so exciting. Listen, in Romans 8.22, Paul gives us this beautiful picture of, uh, of all these things. And listen to what he says. He says, for we know that all creation has been groaning. How? As in the pains of childbirth. Paul uses this picture and this analogy of childbirth to help us understand some things right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved, if we haven't already, if we had If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. What's that mean? We're waiting. We're still waiting. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Patiently and confidently. With anticipation. It's coming. With great hope. With great excitement. And here's the other thing I've learned. Again, not that I have experienced this personally, but I also have learned this last trimester, this this last little part is also not only about anticipation, but it's also a season of pushing. A season of pushing. What do I mean by that? Well, it's real simple. I remember when I was a kid, you know, back in the 80s, early 90s, when when it was, you know, the the heyday of the Christian t-shirt. Remember those? Some of them were really cheesy. And I remember one. And you know what it said on it? Push. You know what it stands for? Pray until something happens. This last little bit, be in prayer like you've never been in prayer before. Because you know what? The promise is coming. That moment is coming. And you need to get ready. And one way that we get ready in so many ways is we push. We pray and we don't stop praying until that promise has been birthed, until that promise has come. But you know what? We need to get ready for the promises that God has given us. We need to allow ourselves to mature and grow in Christ so that during this waiting season, it is not a season of waste but it's a season of growth. Because here's what I've learned. Listen, sometimes when we want the promise, we're not ready for the promise. It's a lot of times why we wait. 
I, I talked about this earlier as we kind of closed this thing this morning. You know, I wanted us to move away from this idea of hating to wait. And instead, look at it as a blessing and as a gift. We're going to get into this more as the series goes on. But how can that be? How can, the, how can the waiting turn from something that we despise and don't like into something that we literally look at as a gift and a blessing? It's simple. Because God's gifts and God's promises are so big and so great. He wants to make sure that you and I are ready to receive them and enjoy them and allow them to transform not only your life and your world, but every world and every person that you touch. Those are the greatness of God's promises. And he wants you to be ready. He wants you to be ready to accept the promises that God has. And some of us, can I just be honest with you, and I'm speaking for myself as well, we're not ready yet. We still have some growing to do. And for some of us, because we've hated waiting so much, we've stopped growing, which only postpones the promise longer. You want to bring forth the promises of God in your life? Embrace the waiting. Love the waiting because you're being prepared for something great and something awesome that God has. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's fun. In fact, I've said the opposite. I've said you really can't do this without God's help. But when we begin to understand a little bit about what God wants to do in your heart and in my heart during this moment, we'll begin to slowly turn away from the hate and into the embrace of the waiting on God so that he can do what only he can do. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's close. Father, we come to you right now, and God, we know that in this moment and in this time, God, I know specifically that there are people that have just shared life with me and shared some things where they are waiting on you. You have given them a promise. You've shared things with them, whether it be something, you know, small or even massively life-changing. And God, for some of them, it has not been short. It has been years. It may have to do with other individuals. It may have to do with their family. It may have to do with their finances. It may have to do with a calling or a vision that you've placed in their heart for them to accomplish with you. God, whatever it is, God, we know as we saw in 2 Corinthians that God, you, you give us lots of promises. You love to give us promises. But Jesus, sometimes, as we see in Scripture a lot, there's the promise that's revealed and then the promise that's delayed before the promise is actually fulfilled. And God, for some of us, we are in that waiting time. And let's just be honest, God, we don't like it. We just don't like it. It's not easy. It's not fun. In fact, some of us hate it. But God, it is a gift from you. Father, as we read at the very beginning, it is good that we wait on the Lord. Because we know you will keep your promise just as you said, but also at just the right time. So God, I, I pray that for me and for us, we will begin this process starting today that I believe you want to take us through this next month to begin to not hate the wait,
but to embrace the weight because we trust and because we want you to take that time and grow us so that we are ready for the promises that you have given us. God, we don't want, and we didn't get into it really a lot today, but God, we don't want Ishmael's in our lives. We don't want forced promises. We don't want premature promises. We want your timing. But God, we don't want it to just be a waiting time. We want it to be a growing time. So God, for those that are there and here and online, that, that quite honestly, that's where they're at. There's something that they've been praying about or looking to you to do or a promise that you've told them. God, I pray that they would realize this isn't about a time to sit on our hands and do nothing. This is a time to embrace it and grow. Because when the tests come, when they come, because they do always come, the faith, the trust, the growth that has taken place before the promise ever came would be revealed in that moment to your glory and the blessing of everything and everyone our life touches. That's what we desire. So God, will you begin that process in me? Will you begin that process in us today? We love you. Thank you that there is no time that you want to waste in our heart and in our lives. But help us, God, to embrace that, to allow you to grow us up so that we're ready to say amen to every promise you give us. You're so good. You're so amazing. And we love you so much. Thank you for this time and this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Listen, love you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here. For those that are online, man, we love you. We miss you. We hope that you're doing well. For everybody that's here, we're going to be heading over to Jason's Deli. Love to have you join us for lunch. Also, remember, sign up for the picnic and the food and things like that. Have a great week, and hopefully we'll see you at lunchtime. Love you.